All right, that's what I'm talking about, folks. A little who with drowned before that fish you enjoy myself. Little fish you enjoy myself, and then the who drowned. You know the connection, I'm sure you do. Fish 95, Chicago. Little who. Joining us finally after his late arrival, no bussin' balls here, but that's Elvis Moist. Good to have you, Elvis Moist. How you doing over here? You on there? Check your mic. You should be on. He's on. He's on. It's just not coming in. Yes, it's coming yes. in. We're good. Yes, yes. Now oh, he is man. coming in. Yes. Wow, that is loud, Mike number four. Am I good now? You are good, Elvis Moist. Uh, great to fucking have you, dude. Better oh. late than never. What do you say? Yeah, man. I was uh, around. I was in Oakland, man. Yeah, how was Oakland? Uh, I'm glad you made it out alive. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, All those crazy white people. Yo, what's crazy up? white folks. Where are you, North Oakland? Hello. That was Hello. North Oakland. That was definitely not South or East or West. West. It was West Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, West Oakland. Beautiful part of town, actually. I love it over there. You guys want to smoke some oregano? Oh, okay. If you have garlic powder, I'm down. But tell us about your night. So you are a comedian here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you just had an extraordinary, I, I think, three-set night. Did you do three sets tonight? No, no, I fucked up. Uh, I should have gone to Oakland, and I went, and I was late. I did two. Wait, are you saying you were late for our show? Because you no, I was never, late for another show. You never went to Oakland. No, I was late for that one, and I was late here, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, better late than never. Like, I've just been smoking oregano, man. Hey, man, I am fucking very glad to have you here. Frosty Nugs, Sean Lamar, yeah, Elvis Moist. You're actually our first in-studio guest, so boom. That okay. is actually true. You are our first in-studio guest and not. You guys are starting at the top. The last. Yeah, we're starting at the top. That's right. We are bringing it to you. Hello, hello, everyone out there in the world. Mutiny Radio is what you're listening to. I wonder if uh, folks can hear me out there. I hope that you can. This is Global Val. I haven't been here in months. What a crazy ride of a year this has been. I'm going to play a little music for you first, and then we'll get started with the show. I just felt compelled to come in and, and have the conversations that we do. going to have Diamond Dave Whitaker calling in later also, Shahid Buttar, who got 80,000 votes to unseat Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco in this past election, and uh, some other cool community folks calling in. So please stay tuned. Thanks for being here this, this fine evening. It is January 9th, 2021. Distance grows, dimensions retire. Lift out your hands and move in close to the fire. 
night's darkness Warm and shadow fly away To decide another day Life feels strange The more things change As colors come undone Collapsing into one The sun and the moon planets align Lifted across the desert On the edge of the thin blue line Stars reveal what's hidden inside The cost of living Gets higher all the time
Well, good evening, everybody. This is Global Val here, filling in. This is the Open Pages show that E.K. Keith usually is uh, doing on Saturday nights from 8 to 10. Of course, I'm hearkening back from the days of Common Thread Collective with Diamond Dave Whitaker and also from Women's Magazine. Um, it's really good to be back here at Mutiny Radio here in the year 2021. It is January 9th, 2021. And given the state of the world and things that have recently transpired, it just seemed like the right time to come back in and have a conversation about some of the complexities uh, that we've, we really can benefit from digging into, I think, given the recent times uh, that we've been experiencing. Of course, we've been in the midst of this pandemic and being, you know, shut, shut in and, and uh, the economy in many respects being shut down and you know, getting all stir crazy. Um, but it's been an interesting time of kind of leveling uh, in one way, you know, kind of a great pause or an equalizer where it's very rare that we have moments where everyone around us is, is sharing something uh, major and uh, going through a major, major shift. Um, of course, also, uh, this week <laughs> has brought, well, I, I'm not quite even sure where to start. Um, just, you know, if you're listening to this show 20 years from now, uh, on Wednesday of this week, the uh, Congress the U.S. Congress met to certify or to um, basically do a an administrative task of reading the certified votes of the Electoral College that came from all of the states to declare the winner of the presidential election. And usually, it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> but this this week, um, what we saw was thousands of people descending upon Washington, D.C., uh, many of whom attended a speech and rally outside of the White House where uh, Donald Trump, who miraculously has been president for the past four years, um, and uh, his family and his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who used to be America's mayor, and we've seen him go off the deep end, um, you know, held a rally for folks who they had essentially invited to Washington, D.C. Um, in protest of the counting of the electoral votes, as uh, Donald Trump has for months now questioned the validity of the vote, um, has spread rumors and lies about you know, massive amounts of voter fraud, uh, tried every court uh, in the in the land that he could to try to um, overturn votes uh, or in states across this country, and all of those efforts failed. Um, they even did recounts in several states after the presidential election in November, and uh, it didn't change the outcome. So, um, unfortunately. Um, the, the spreading of lies from such a high office and such a high-handed gentleman, uh, not gentleman, uh, well, it riled a lot of people up and got them on board 
to show up in Washington, D.C. Um, now, before we get into the kind of nitty gritty of what happened, but essentially people ransacked the U.S. Capitol and sent members of Congress into hiding uh, for some time as people broke down the doors, um, vandalized offices, uh, among other things. Um, heave hoed their way into the building, an angry mob, essentially. But of course, there were thousands of people out there who were outside. And um, uh, I think what's really important right now is to kind of take a step back. Because of course, the mainstream media always paints things in black and white, or red and blue. And there's just so much more nuance that I think we need to be able to look at if we're going to move forward and get past this really ugly chapter in history. One of the things that stands out to me is that those thousands of people who showed up uh, in Washington, D.C., because Donald Trump invited them there, um, it, it really had... You know, a lot of people are there for different reasons. I think it's really simplifying it to say these are white nationalists, racist, uh, redneck, backwards people who don't understand anything. Now, if you do like Donald Trump, I am also, in my own opinion, going to think you're not really thinking too critically. However, um, Donald Trump really represented the anti-establishment. And, and in 2016, many people we're very much anti-establishment and of course we are today we obviously have a two-party system that is corp captured by corporate interests who continue to fund uh you know the military industrial complex and not help everyday americans in the ways that they need it so if you actually watch um you know some of interviews with folks who who were out in washington last week they were there for a number of reasons. You know, a young kid out there saying, hey, Congress doesn't do anything for us. They need to give us the $2,000 stimulus check. Then you have someone else shouting about how we don't want to be a socialist country. So it'd be interesting to see if that person was also out there asking for a $2,000 check, which would be some form of socialism. Um, you know, some folks are just mad about this virus and the pandemic and the closed businesses and people want to get back to normal, but we're not in normal times. Um, and then, of course, it goes all the way up to those who felt privileged, uh, empowered and righteous enough to um, break through barriers at the U.S. Capitol building, which is not easy or seemingly would not be easy to do, being that it's a federal building. Um, so the circumstances around that happening are questionable, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and then going in and taking pictures of themselves, um, vandalizing offices, uh, <laughs> stealing a podium. It really wasn't, it just reeked of, uh, of privilege. And in this case, white privilege. Um, because as we've seen over this past year, especially over the summer with the Black Lives Matter protests, which have been largely peaceful, um, I, I think there was a Guardian article that said that 93% of Black Lives Matter's um, 
marches and protests were peaceful. Um, so, but we, what was writ large was the double standard uh, in America that um, you might be an angry white man <laughs> pounding at the doors of Congress and the cops might actually let you in. Um, but heaven forbid you be somebody on the street with your hands in the air um, looking for peace, uh, looking for the end of violence by police against uh, people of color, and uh, you might get pepper sprayed in the eye. So it was a very revealing moment in our American history. And uh, well, I just thought it'd be a good time to come in and have some of those conversations. So in just a little bit, I'm going to be calling Diamond Dave Whitaker, who of course has been uh, on the air in some way, shape, or form for the past f 45 years. Uh, he's someone who has been at many protests uh, in his lifetime, from anti-war protests uh, against the Vietnam War. And then also, uh, they used to go to the Democratic National Convention and protest as left on the left, um, because we see that, you know, Republican, Democrat, red, blue, what have you. They're all kind of on the same team. So I, will, I really want to get uh, Diamond Dave's perspective on what he saw this week. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk with uh, Shahid Buttar, who ran against Nancy Pelosi in November for the, for the seat in Congress. He got 80,000 votes in San Francisco, which was about 22% of the vote. Um, and uh, about some important issues. He's a constitutional attorney. And um, we, we've seen, as in the past, like in a time of 9-11, or even in, in anti-war protests or Black Lives Matter protests, uh, the opportunity uh, afforded to the, s the state um, to increase surveillance on Americans, crack down on protest, um, institute further oppression, uh, incarceration, and breach of privacy and free speech. So it's a really complex uh, time, and I'm hoping that we can dig out some of that tonight, in addition to enjoying some poetry and some music, as we like to do here on Mutiny Radio. So it's really good to be back. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play a little music. If I can reach over here and grab the right CD. If you've ever been to Mutiny Radio, you know how we roll. It's it's pretty DIY. I gotta reach over one side, stretch, and stay near the microphone. We do it all here at Mutiny Radio. I want to play you a song from our friends in Copus, that's C-O-P-U-S. This is their single, uh, We All Breed Red, and this came out in 2017.
ready for justice, ready for peace. We all bleed red, although we're all unique. Why is it so wrong to help a man get on his feet? Everybody needs shelter, everyone must seek. Liberal, conservative, independent, immigrant, or refugee. While we're steady for justice, ready for peace. Steady for justice, ready for peace. It's all been said without being oblique. The laws of the universe are nice and neat. To lift those up from the bottom of the heap takes more than 140 characters of a tweet or policies that prey upon the poor and the weak. This is not fake news, only real I speak. Saying we're steady for justice, ready for peace. ready for peace every word you say is being critiqued nominated inaugurated you've given a speech women around the world take to the street many people are saying resign or impeach lady justice sits high and firmly in her seat at the end of the day still i beseech get up stand up stand up on your feet electoral victory popular defeat campaign promises obsolete better stand up for justice and world peace ready for peace how many children are there left to teach to lend to their god-given mystique those with eyes to see is who i'm trying to reach those with ears to hear let me repeat we all bleed red but we're all unique white black brown red yellow purple or peach we're all steady for justice ready for peace Thank you, Copus. Ready for justice, steady for peace. I think that might be the uh, the biggest difference um, <laughs> between the right and the left right now. If you still want to be binary and uh, divisive and dualistic about it, um, the left, if you will, uh, is really just asking for peace. <laughs> Asking to be, uh, to have everyone treated with dignity. 
uh, to have everyone safe. And, and in doing that, peace is, is really multidisciplinary, right? It's not just the absence of violence. It's also making sure that people have the resources and the support uh, to live in peace with each other, amongst each other, have job security, union, union protections, um, local food available, healthy food. No one should be living in a food desert. Um, you know, clean water, right? Not living next to um, the exhaust of, of fracking. Um, you know, all these different things that are going to facilitate people living a healthy life in harmony with each other and the planet. And we've seen that uh, when we don't live in harmony with the planet, the planet speaks up. I'm wearing a mask right now. Maybe you are too. And uh, we're just trying to get along here, folks. Trying to get Diamond Dave on the phone right now. Sorry, I feel I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit choppy here. I guess I haven't been to the studio in a while, so it's uh, I'm a little rusty. But I'd like to play another song for you. We even have a new CD player. So many things are new. Here we go. Uh, this is this is a song from Courage Lost Coast and it's called One Dimensional Town. Plains filled with promise, hidden peaks and snowfields past the tree line out of range. Hopeful colors strike across the clouds and distant rain. Meander in these deserts, staying close to water while the rainbows disappear. Far beneath the sands of time laid barren by the years. Circle still unbroken, now it finally brings us here. There ain't nothing gonna bring me down. There ain't nothing gonna bring me down. Living on the surface of this one-dimensional town Dreams flat on the horizon Ever since the sky arrived in pieces on the floor Slowly recognizing that we've seen this all before. Open time for questions, but we can't think of any more. Updrafts, but no uprising. 
memories of the great flood and the echo of the train asking for directions on an empty one-way lane blue screens and medication to try and numb the pain gonna bring me down shadows lengthen across the ground stretch across the surface of this one-dimensional town keeps getting steeper The secret is trying to keep on digging deeper Imagining the shape of things to come Listening to our hearts beat in the sun We'll make our best selection Withstand the canyon winds that twist and shift the blame Force of civilization blown off balance in a game. Turn and face the future or go back the way we came. Endure the next election. Prevailing powers proudly preying on our fears. Tumbleweed reflections in an empty house of mirrors. Looking for an answer, but there's no words for what we hear. There ain't nothing gonna bring me down. Hold my breath and stand my ground. Living on the surface of this one-dimensional town There ain't nothing gonna bring me down There ain't nothing gonna bring me down Living on the surface of this one-dimensional town I wanna feel you in the darkness I wanna hear you through the 
I wanna find where you are I wanna see you through the fog I wanna feel you in the darks I wanna hear you through the noise I wanna find where you are Help me find the way The tranquility trail through the past that leads me to you show me the light the brightness the way through the darkness that leads me to you I want to see you through the fog I want to feel you in the darkness I want to hear you through the noise I want to find where you are Let me hear the sounds The serenity within The woods of life lead me to you let me feel the heat the transcendental light that leads to the heart the heart that is you Start drinking 
nothing inside it gets hard to fake here in the middle of the road can't feel the tide come and go But I've been thinking Far too much Just trying to stay awake Try to keep up with the news Did we win or did we lose Can't feel the tide Sun also rises, first sign of another day, always full of surprises. The darkness slowly pulls away, sometimes the glare can make it hard to see. The shadows in front of me. Shadows in front of me Been all over this town But lately it all looks the same There's too many buildings Blocking the sky like picture frames After a while it changes your reality Shadows in front of me Shadows in front of me Look to the sky Start to believe That the world Keeps turning on me Finding the words Take their own time To finally find some Peace of mind Taking the high road, trying to see the long way around it. Shadows fall even when I'm on my knees.
long afternoon on Hate Street. Nobody knows nobody's name. Throw your cigarette down and move on. Out here, still the golden age. But I can feel it weighing down on me. Finding the words that take their own time. Before you find some peace of mind. I'm starting to find there's no guarantee. Lost in the clouds, caught in a dream, though the world keeps on turning. Can't see the forest for the trees. Let it all go, setting it free, though the darkness keeps reminding things I know with no strength to believe. Turn to the sky, start to believe that the world keeps turning on me, letting the day take its own time. Finding the words, just get in the way. And the line's still broken. Try to call, but there's too much left to say. With these shadows in front of me. Shadows in front of me. You are. You are listening to Mutiny Radio. I'm Global Val. It's great to be back here at Mutiny Radio. It's been too long, and I want to thank E.K. Keith, whose time slot this is. This is going to be under the archives of, called Open Pages on mutinyradio.fm or on the Mutiny Radio app. Uh, it's really, we're, we're so lucky to have this community space, even though community can't really gather here right now. Uh, but these walls uh, could sing, I could tell you. Um, and part of why we love doing it is because we get to amplify each other's voices and be inspired and, and you know, express our creativity. Um, but here I am alone, as we so many of us are during the pandemic, um, that I'm here in this kind of a strange feeling to be in an empty room. Uh, here at Mutiny Radio, but we'll get through this. And of course, my longtime co-host Diamond Dave, who I talked to earlier today, uh, can't get a hold of him now. That wily dude. Um, I don't know if his phone, you know, ran out of charge or whatever, um, which is unfortunate because I I, w- I was hoping that we could talk. Um, and uh, you know, he he has he's so knowledgeable, and he has so much hipstery to tell. But uh, alas, 
maybe we'll hear from him after all. Um, I do have another guest calling in in about 15 minutes, so I figured I'd take a little time here um, to read some poetry, of course. Um, I know some folks have found this time to be very, uh, like the muse is, is with people, um, and there's a lot of people who are saying that the muse is, is not visiting. Uh, it's been a hard time to be creative. Maybe that's partially because we haven't been around all of our creative friends. Uh, in person and absorbing and, and, and you know playing with that energy so much. Um, I've managed to write some poetry, but not nearly as much as I'd like to have been able to. Uh, so let me just read some poetry, and maybe you can read some too. Phone number here is 415-550-0511, and I've got a little bit of time between now and 9 o'clock, so I'll be watching the phone lines. Here's one. Projections. Projections, dreams, and visions are a matter of accuracy, not precision. The dart may land on the board, but not always in the middle. Magic is a mission, not an arrival at a destination. The journey is not taken in weather as predicted. The lights and times will have adjusted presenting an arrangement none could have anticipated into new and unique iterations resembling only a flash of your imagination. That was from November uh, 2020, but it, it's kind of timeless for me because uh, you really never know what's around the next corner. And 2020 especially took everybody uh, <laughs> for a wild ride and, and caught everybody off guard with having to majorly adjust uh, to different visions of life. Things were put on hold, um, routines shifted, uh, many things have changed. And I want to take uh, the time to make sure to recognize that this has been a very difficult time for so many people whether it's been housing or work insecurity or illness or loss um, or just the difficulty of being isolated and uh, not being able to go about your life the way that you would like to. Maybe you had plans to travel that you had to cancel Maybe you couldn't see loved ones around the holidays, which can be really challenging. Um, and I just want to make sure that we I want to recognize that because it is a challenging time. And uh, I think the silver lining of that is that, like never before, we can really empathize with one another and know uh, that it's challenging for others as well and find ways to reach out. <clears throat> Maybe you're sending uh, funny pictures to back and forth to your friends. <clears throat> Maybe you're actually picking up the phone and talking to folks who you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe you're writing letters to people who may never receive them. But I think it's an interesting time to be 
introspective. And I, I hope that, that folks are, you know, getting visited by the muse. Maybe you're learning a new skill. You're teaching yourself piano or, uh, or finally reading those books that you have on your nightstand because you don't have, you know, plans for the night. Um, maybe you're getting to know your children better than you ever did before. So whatever it may be, I hope that you're taking this time and, and feeling gratitude for the things that, that remain and the new things that are, that are dawning. Maybe I'll read a couple more poems and then we'll play, play a little more music. All right. It's really strange to be like wearing a mask <laughs> and talking a foot away from a microphone. It's really strange. Um, but here's one called Night Energy. Night Energy. While others quiet and dull, I slide with a smile into place. I am looped in to night energy, activated in the dark like a phosphorescent rock come alive under black light, my metals and mineral alike alight in my unique composite, psychically and chemically nocturnal. Let me play a little more music for you because we're in these times of, uh, you know, a lot of people want to call it a coup. I'm not sure I'm willing to call it that. Even if you'd say, oh, it was a failed coup. I don't, I don't know if coup is really, really the right word for it. Mostly because even if they did break into the Capitol and, you know, essentially terrorize people, which I don't think we should use. I, I caution the word terrorists as well. But um, I kind of like the word insurrection. I, I think that really fits to, to what we're talking about, which is people <laughs> rising up and coming up against the law and, uh, and the government. Um, but I yeah, I caution against the word coup because even if the worst intentions of those people had been played out, and there were some pretty bad ones. I mean, there were some uh, anywhere from uh, humiliation to, to deep violence, uh, as some folks were trying to accomplish. Um, I don't think it really would have done anything. Uh, to change the presidential election, which if that was the goal, then there was really nothing to be done. So it was sad, it was a, it was a failed opportunity, really. Um, but as John Lewis used to call, uh, we need to make good trouble, not bad trouble. That was some bad trouble this week at the Capitol. Um, so I wanna play a song from our friends at the Troublemakers Union. And the song is the anti-fascist funk.
is a constant struggle. If you want some, you got to make trouble. Freedom is a constant struggle. If you want some, you got to make trouble. We're the troublemakers. Help us create the world. We're the troublemakers. Help us create the world. We're the troublemakers. All right, you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District. I'm Global Val. You may be listening online or through the Mutiny Radio app. Um, I'm really happy to be here this evening, and I'm happy to welcome my next guest who's called in, uh, Shahid Buttar, who just um, won 80,000 votes from San Franciscans to try to unseat Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi in the in Congress. Uh, Shahid, uh, can we, let's see if we can hear you clearly. Stoked to be with you. Thanks for having me, Val. Oh, fantastic. That's actually more clear than I've heard this phone line in quite some time. <laughs> so, <laughs> wonderful. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we've connected um, to, today so that you could call in tonight. It's just, it's just, I, I was compelled. I haven't done the show in months, um, and I was compelled to come down here tonight and make sure that there was a forum for conversation because there's so much that we can unpack and and scrutinize and and look you know forward from uh, this crazy week we've we've just seen. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, what? Thanks, thanks for calling in. And so I think there's a couple things that we could certainly talk about. Um, you know, and in either order that you want to talk about it. One being that. You've been you've run against Nancy Pelosi for the first for the last two elections, um, and the the reasons behind that, um, which you and I uh, see eye to eye on in many ways, and the the corporate captured two party system that funds the military industrial complex more than it takes care of the American people, um, mm -hmm. and 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 also kind of your your takeaway from uh, what happened this week and your concerns as a constitutional attorney. And, uh, about kind of what we're seeing in the wake of this big scare. Word. Maybe I'll, I'll take those in reverse order because they connect, actually. <clears throat> the, um, this week's events, I think, alarmed a lot of people, rightfully so. I am not in any way a fan of being proven right, but it does seem to reflect the legitimacy of longstanding concerns about fascism that both parties have just systematically ignored for 20 years. And for, frankly, longer than that, I, I've been promoting those concerns for 20 years. And it, none of this is, frankly, that surprising to me. I want to draw out a couple of different contrasts. The first, and people have talked about this, but just to make it explicit, is the profound viewpoint discrimination obvious in the Capitol Police inviting right-wing terrorists would be a fair word, or you know, certainly people mounting an insurrection or a coup. It was how close we came to a coup, I think people don't entirely grapple with anyway, but 
you look at the Capitol Police waving them in on the one hand, mm -hmm. and then not only are police hyper-militarized and whenever the movement for black lives done anything, I've been arrested by Capitol Police myself in 2015, and all I did was ask a question after a hearing was over. I didn't interrupt anyone. I did what any journalist does. You ask the witness a question as they're walking out of the room, and I walked out in handcuffs. And the question that I asked, this is like standing between mirrors, because the question I asked was, and not in so many words, but why is Eric Garner dead while James Clapper has a pension? Eric Garner, before people heard the words, I can't breathe from George Floyd, they heard it from Eric Garner, who died in very similar circumstances six years before in New York City, just to show that these patterns repeat. In this case, it's not even history of rhyming. It's just repeating itself. And on the one hand, you know, he was killed in the street without charge or trial, and his offense was the the suspicion of selling cigarettes without a license, not unlike passing a fake $20 bill, you know, victimless crimes uh, that certainly don't deserve lethal justice. James Clapper was Obama's director of national intelligence who lied to Congress about mass surveillance, and he walked away with a pension. Uh, and, you know, it took Edward Snowden lighting his career on fire and going into international exile to expose Clapper's lies, and there's never been any accountability for it or CIA torture or running drugs into the United States, which the CIA did before, or any of the NSA issues or the FBI's infiltration of animal rights groups or mosques, like none of it. There's never been any accountability for any of that. And it, uh, you know, you contrast the hyper-policing, aggressive paramilitary response for people seeking justice and, you know, whatever past, whatever Wednesday was with respect to the antithesis of that, you, know, you see a, a bias, and that's important to locate. And maybe the place I just want to, uh, uh, you know, pause and, and see if you have thoughts is, is particularly around the civil liberties abuses, because I remember the 9-11 attacks 20 years ago, and there was a, there's a pattern. Any national security crisis is always followed by an opportunistic power grab by the executive branch. It's like clockwork. And there's already been proposals from the incoming administration about potential security measures ranging from surveillance and waiting for them to attack encryption, you know, limits on public gatherings could be on the table. And these are all profoundly problematic. We can't look at these kinds of ideas through the lens of the fear that people fear, feel in the wake of Wednesday's events. We really have to think about this through the lens of what will preserve dissent and democracy. We can't throw out the, the baby of dissent with the bathwater of armed insurrectionists invading and ransacking the Capitol. Thoughts? I don't want to just draw. Right. Them. No, I, I agree. Um, I've, you know, after 9-11, the, the, the Patriot Act was enacted almost immediately. It was a document that pre-existed pre um, and uh, was kind of waiting in the wings for an opportunity for the American people to be scared. And we were sold at that time the concept, uh, again, writ large now in the 21st century, of trading your privacy for security, which has failed to, to prove to, to keep anyone safer um, time and time again. And so As Ben Franklin predicted. Right, right. <laughs> and, and we've seen also, I, I've been thinking a lot this week about what happened in 20, well, in January of 2017, in particular, when people were in Washington, D.C. to protest the inauguration of Donald mm -hmm. Trump, 
um, which happened mm -hmm. to be J20, which is a, a, a big date for, for those who participated in Occupy. Um, and uh, of course, the next day was the, the, the first women's march. And so, in, but in the, that weekend, um, DC police kettled uh, hundreds of people on a, D, on a DC street and basically, like, if, if you don't know what kettling is out there, if you're listening, um, they basically surrounded people like you would, like, herding, herding cows into a corral, corralling them um, and arresting people who were doing nothing, including legal observers who were subjected to uh, pepper spray and such. And, and, and folks from that incident were charged with crimes and, and threatened with up to 70 years in prison because there was one broken window on a commercial street. And so my caution, I mean, I was infuriated about that at the time. Um, and and, and there have been so many efforts across the states um, uh, in the past few years to try to uh, oppress and clamp down on peaceful protests like at Standing Rock. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and really no one deserves to go to prison for exercising their First Amendment rights. Um, and so I don't want this to be another opportunity for the powers that be to come through and say, we need more surveillance, we need more police, even though the police did not show themselves to really be useful in, in uh, keeping this from happening this week at the Capitol, which is uh, mind-boggling and appalling, considering we know how uh, they've responded to uh, anti-war and Black Lives Matter protests and, and very, you know, civil organized, civil disobedience actions like Democracy Spring. Um, they, they, they know how to keep people out of a federal building when the, uh, the vice president's in there. So, um, right. you know, mm -hmm. cautioning against um, going in the wrong direction of more surveillance and more police. Another way to put that is simply that we have all the laws we need on the books. We just need when there are actual legitimate national security threats for cops to show up for work. And so this isn't about needing new laws or new powers or new funding. This is frankly about firing some people and holding some people accountable for failures of their professional responsibility under the existing legal regime. Uh, and there's a, you know, it's, it, the solution to every event need not be expand the powers of the police and the executive branch. In this case, it, it really is just force the agencies to do their damn jobs. Um, there's another dimension here that often goes overlooked, and that's the way in which the assault on the Capitol laid bare the waste of everything in that military security industrial complex that you described before. You know, it was, it was 60 years ago that the architect of that system warned us that it would threaten both our liberties and democracy in America and what we saw on Wednesday is a military establishment on which we have spent $750 billion this year that can't defend the Capitol from a guy wearing a pelt carrying a staff. <laughs> right. And, you know, just the complete failure and the bankruptcy of that policy priority, the spending priority that we continue to hurl hundreds of billions of dollars a year in the middle of an economic crisis down a well is not just unsustainable, but I think Wednesday revealed it as just a complete farce. And we should all demand better than that. You know, when we talk about defunding police, the whole point of that is that from the Pentagon to the SFPD, the money that we collectively 
a crete as a society of our tax dollars, what we put our money into in public coffers is all going to people carrying guns. And why is that when we need people ultimately carrying pencils and we need people, you know, social workers, there are actual needs in our communities that are going unmet because there's just all these weapons. And I, you know, whether it's, again, from the SFPD at the local level to the Pentagon at the national level and the international level, this is a common theme about the co-optation of our resources. And you know, if the pandemic weren't enough <clears throat> to lay bare the sheer you know, impossibility of that, I think Wednesday's attack made it, uh, going forward, I think Wednesday's attack made clear just how farcical and fraudulent it had been going backwards. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that, um, that you know, ang- a- observation. Um, and I think that ties into... Uh, maybe we can kind of carry through to your campaign. Um, uh, you've run again twice against uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, doubled your votes each time that you have. Um, and, and, and I also want to acknowledge that, you know, when we see what happened on Wednesday, there certainly were people there who were upset about a myriad of different things. They, you know, like it's hard to really lump them together um completely mm-hmm. um but one of the things that that people are, are rightfully upset about is the status quo in washington dc so maybe you can right. talk about what you've been doing to try to um change that status quo and and raise issues around around its effects right on i see the problem in washington as not one of bipartisan uh, not one of partisan gridlock it's not democrats versus republicans it is the bipartisan corporate consensus against we, the people of the United States. Uh, it is the favoring Wall Street before our communities, what Representative Ocasio-Cortez has described as top versus bottom. And we are fighting from the bottom to try to secure resources for things like doctors and nurses. There's no reason the cost should be a barrier to care, especially in the middle of a pandemic. The obstacle to that policy, getting a, a, a vote on the House floor, is embodied. There's one person who stands in the way, and it is the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Medicare for all is a policy favored by bipartisan majorities across the entire United States. And the one place you can't have a debate about it, apparently, is the floor of the House, the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. And it is this city, San Francisco's voice in the House, that is keeping our country from having an up or down vote on this policy. And I saw a lot of people, for instance, over the holidays, dragging the squad in the force the vote movement. And it was, to me, frankly, I mean, I I appreciate the force the vote movement. I'm absolutely in favor of Medicare for all. The idea of blaming the squad for it really just seemed senseless to me because at the end of the day, people are blaming the people under the wheels of the bus instead of the person driving the bus. The person driving the bus happens to represent San Francisco in Congress and has since 1987. That's the last time she debated anyone. She did not debate me. I was the first Democrat she's ever faced on the ballot ever in her career. And uh, I was amazed that the corporate media took so little interest in a race that had such pivotal implications for the country. Uh, I'm not going to claim that you know, I'm, I would be some congressional hero, but I would certainly knock out the primary obstacle to both the Green New Deal and Medicare for All. And you know, for the last half of 2020, I couldn't get a microphone. You know, it was just—it was amazing to see the corporate media white out and the organs of capital go to work to insulate the strongest challenge that Pelosi's ever confronted. One of the other issues that really, particularly animates my campaign is the and my vision for policy is 
stopping authoritarianism, this connects to this week's event. You were talking about the Patriot Act and how it was imposed in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. For six years, I led a national organization that was founded to fight the Patriot Act. And I advocated for the nation's first ban on face surveillance technology that was adopted here in San Francisco two springs ago. I fought police departments across the country at the local and state level. I've been doing that for over 10 years. And that idea of guarding constitutional rights from an executive branch that across both Republican and Democratic administrations has continued to act in secret, secretly interpret laws, expand its powers, undermine rights, threaten dissent, and through all of that to basically erode our democracy. And as an immigrant who is a constitutional lawyer, I am ultimately most concerned about our democracy. I'm running not as a political endeavor, but as a constitutional one. You know, there is a lens through which Pelosi is you know, not aligned with our city. She doesn't show up for housing rights. She doesn't show up for we the people. She never talks about Hunter's Point, the worst example of environmental racism in the country, right, is in Nancy Pelosi's district, but who knows about it? She doesn't talk about it, right? And all that's true. But ultimately, the thing that forced my hand, you know, I'm not a politician, I'm an advocate, and the thing that forced me to run for office against the most powerful corporate politician on the planet is the constitutional implication of the Speaker of the House fighting on the wrong team. She's been an architect of surveillance. She's a defender of torture. She's a funder of police. She's, uh, she welcomed Juan Guaido, the beneficiary of U.S.-backed coups uh, in, in Venezuela. And you know, that sort of uh, – in Bolivia as well. You know, she's, she is a repeat player as an authoritarian, and that to me as an immigrant is uh, not just disturbing. You know, it's the kind of thing that I will pause my life for at this point three years uh, going on five to, to challenge that because this city deserves better than that. San Francisco is the city where the United Nations was founded. This is a proud beacon of the peace and justice movement. We shouldn't be represented by a voice that funded Bush's wars and funded Trump's concentration camps and slow walked every impeachment process she's ever had a hand on to insulate criminal presidents. And I'm very eager to offer our city a different kind of voice in Washington. Well, Shahid, I, I certainly appreciate and support all of your efforts and, and the fact that you're out there educating people about some of these things that, are, that can run very deep and are can be very complicated. And it, it just it's not on the tip of everyone's tongue. Um, and I mean, we I wish we had like a lot more time. Maybe we have to schedule another call at some point. Life um, is long. To, uh, <laughs> it's great to hear your voice. Thanks for keeping the show going. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just kind of want to plant this idea out there that we can talk about it maybe next time, which is we're, we're, what we're seeing is that there's uh, where people are upset across the political spectrum. And it's we, we're seeing a trend of actual grassroots progressive candidates getting elected. Um, so I, I'm wondering if, um, you know, it's an interesting time when we see that uh, many members of, of the leadership in, in Congress are septuagenarians, octogenarians, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a, they're an older generation who've been entrenched for a long time, um, are, you know, and, and, and people on the ground, and again, on all, on all parts of the spectrum feel like they are out of touch. <laughs> with what the people need. And so um, maybe next time we can talk a little bit about what we see the, 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 the trends going forward 
um, and, and where we might be able to find some common ground from these very seemingly distinct corners. Um, but right on. Shahid Buttar, I look forward to that. thank you so much. Um, is your website still active or uh, is there a way yeah. that folks can kind yeah, of follow what you're doing? Thank you, Val. Yeah, folks can check us out at shahidforchange.us. And uh, yeah, great to hear your voice on the air. Thanks for having me. Right on. Well, we'll do it again. Peace, brother. Thank you for all your work. Peace, sister. Right on. Bye, Val. Bye. All right. So let me play a little music here. Thank you. I'm glad Shahid could call in. Um, and I recommend that you go back and kind of listen again and digest uh, some of the things that, that he was talking about. Um, so I'm going to play a little music right now. I have another guest calling in, um, Gloria Berry, who's a, a local grassroots activist and also part of member of the DCCC here in San Francisco. I'm going to be calling in in just a couple of minutes. So um, stay tuned. You're listening to Mutiny Radio SF.
Welcome back. That was some music from our friend's band, Brother Spellbinder. I'm Global Valley. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. We're here in the Mission District of San Francisco. My next guest, who's just kindly called in, is Gloria Berry, um, who is a community organizer here in San Francisco and also a member of the Democratic Party County Central Committee, or as we locally affectionately refer to it as DCCC. Um, Gloria, thank you so much for calling in to Mutiny Radio tonight. Thank you so much. It, it's really great to be connected with you um, or connected to you. I, we haven't met in person, um, but I know that, you know, that we're, of course, in this tumultuous uh, time of politics, but a lot of folks don't really understand, including myself, um, kind of the role of what this DCCC committee is. I know that you're a, a you were voted into it in 2020 um, as an independent candidate uh, in the sense that you weren't on any slate um, and, right. and got a lot of support to be part of this committee, which has a, a lot of um, a, a quite a few elected officials on it as well who are elected in other roles in the city. So maybe you can explain a little bit of what DCCC is and, and, and what's coming up. There's some, some things coming up that's going to be um, affecting statewide. Sure. Um, I was born and raised here in San Francisco, and um, what got me into these politics were uh, activism-type movements, um, like the Hunter's Point Shipyard, the toxic waste there, and police brutality, and a lot of other uh, issues San Francisco has, black contractors not getting contracts and whatnot. And I found myself at City Hall a lot. So what happened was I um, got really discouraged, especially with um, officers involved shootings, and I felt politicians locally were not addressing those matters. Mm -hmm. So I initially ran for office here in San Francisco as a supervisor. And um, I did not win that election, and then I went on to the KDEM elections, which we'll talk about last, which is the delegates. And then I also, when I'm um, on mind you, I won that election. And then I went on to run for the DCCC, and this is why. The Democratic Party San Francisco endorses candidates for mayor all the way down, supervisors, board of education, city college board, and whatnot. And when I um, attended a DCCC meeting in 2019, there were two people who I really was excited about running for office and did not get the DCCC support. Those two people were Chesa Boudin, who won district attorney race, and Dean Preston, who recently won, again, uh, uh, district five race. So while I was at that meeting, I got very upset that these two candidates were not supported locally because when you get support from the local Democratic Party, you get mailers mailed out. A lot of, a lot of um, effort is made to push your name out there that might not get made because they, they have a, a budget for this type of thing. So at that moment, I decided to run for the DCCC because both Dean Preston and Chesa Boudin lost by one vote, and I figured I could be that one vote. So I ran in March, and there was a progressive slate and a moderate slate. 
and I was not invited to be on either slate. And slates are important because you have a team of people that um, contribute to the work that's needed to run a campaign. When you run by yourself, you have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, uh, I, I won in March, and since The call, the call seems to have dropped. Oh no! Let's try to get Gloria back on the phone. My apologies, folks. Well, we can't go go a day these days without. <laughs> Some little technicality. I think she's back. Hang on. Gloria, do we have you back? I'm so sorry. I had no idea the call dropped. No problem. No problem. Okay. That's all right. Um, we're used to th- these weird things happening here at Mutiny Radio. So we're luckily we're an independent voice here in, in <laughs> the uh, Mission District, and we have no bosses. Um, so we're streaming around the planet on the Internet, and... We, we roll with the punches here. So um, you were talking about how you had run um, not as a member of the slate um, for the DCCC, but yet still got 26,000 votes, I believe, uh, in, yes, in order was. to join the committee. Yes. And, and after that, I learned a lot about more about what the committee does. Um, they pass, along with endorsing candidates, they also um, pass resolutions. And resolutions, um, sometimes they say don't have much weight, but sometimes they do. We urge the mayor, the governor, and different um, levels of government to pass things or consider supporting things. And um, it's it's really interesting. I passed four resolutions. Um, one of them was in support of the Karen Act which um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's the um, issue of the white women calling um, the police for things that are not that serious or just straight up not true at all, and it's become an issue in this country. And then I also passed um, a resolution to urge Governor Newsom to pass the bill that – would make it more difficult for district attorneys to kick black people off of juries because historically a district attorney could uh, kick someone off the jury and not have a reason why. And a lot of times black people got kicked off. So those are two of my favorite resolutions that I passed through the DCCC. And that bill passed, actually, Governor Newsom signed that into law, the one where they can't well, they make it more difficult to kick uh, black people off a jury. Yes, so, that's yeah, a big, we, we that is that. a big deal. That Yes, it is a big deal. and um, Cause you're, I, you're, I know more about that than we probably want to talk about right now, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand in in the sense that um, the, the fact that they have uh, peremptory strikes um, so mm-hmm. that they can – they can eliminate jurors without giving a reason, but they'll exactly. often ask questions that is, you know, thinly veiled uh, 
racism um, or, or classism in a sense so that it ends up that a person who may be accused is not really getting a, a jury of his or her, her peers Peer. of someone who mm -hmm. understands their community um, and, and, and you know, gives them confidence that there's someone who might look like them on the jury as opposed to having no one who looks like them on a jury. And yeah, and it really feeds into the larger problem of people not being willing to go to trial because they don't think they can get a fair trial. So they'll plea to something and then, you know, put on probation or go to prison. And uh, it really feeds mass incarceration. It feeds the long-term problems of people having difficulties once they get out of having things on their record. So I, yeah, we could get into that a, a quite a bit more, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I have personal experiences. <laughs> so mm. um, then there's the delegate election, which is um, called KDEMS, which is uh, California Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And they do the same thing similarly. They endorse um, different levels of government, state level and um, federal level. Mm. And um, they also do resolutions as well. And that election is coming up. Ironically, I got my ballot in the mail today. Now, this election is something most people do not know about. I never heard of it until I ran for it myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually won that election by five votes. And um, historically, it's been a, a show-up election, old school, where you come in, you fill out a ballot. It's a, a just a Xerox copy of names, and you just check the name, and you drop it in a box, and they count it old school. But um, this year, because of COVID-19, mm -hmm. you have to... Uh, request a ballot on a link and the deadline is Monday to do that so you request a ballot and then you'll get it in the mail and it'll have all the um, candidates listed and it has a little bubble sheet that comes with the ballot and you mail it back in so it's definitely a different time because people will probably get more people involved because you can email someone and say hey you know Mm -hmm. register to get this ballot and vote for me and and um it's much easier than having someone stand in a two-hour line outside a building to drop the paper ballot so but this mm -hmm. go ahead i, I was going to ask uh just to clarify so are, are you running right now for that uh to be one of those delegates or uh, did you mention that you had already been uh selected Right. Previously. I was elected for a delegate 2018. Okay. And in March, when I won my DCCC uh, election, I gave up my seat as delegate so that um, an immigrant woman can actually uh, have that seat that wouldn't be normally able to run but could be appointed. Um, so is, how can people uh, request that ballot? Sure. Um, they can go on the California Democratic Party website mm -hmm. in your in their search engine. They would put C A D E M California Dem, mm -hmm. and um, just don't put A Dem because I think a disease would pop up if you put that in your search. <laughs> but yeah, you got to put California Dem, short for Democrat, mm -hmm. and then the website will have you 
um, you can find out what assembly district you're actually in because a lot of people don't know that. Um, and San Francisco actually has two assembly districts because of our population. And then you just, it's a simple, uh, put your address in and that system checks to see if you're registered. And I, I had my old address in there and I had to send my new one, and correct it. And um, it's, it's really efficient. So it's really simple. And then you're going to get a lot of people um, names on the ballot. On this ballot I have in front of me, there's 51 candidates. Wow. And Right. How and many will be selected? 14. It will be seven women mm-hmm. or people that identify as female, and then there will be seven people that do not identify as female. Do you have any candidates that you'd like to endorse? I actually do. I live in Assembly District 17, Mm -hmm. which is the east side of San Francisco, which goes all the way from the Embarcadero to the Cow Palace, Geneva um, Street. And um, out of this list of people, I have my seven, but there's people I like to highlight, especially my favorite is Kristen Evans. Kristen Evans works with the homeless population. Um, I've seen her support candidates that I align with, but the more important thing is I was delivering some food for um, people that were struggling during COVID, and a lady told me, oh, there's um, police police um, about to... Um, uh, take a homeless person's property, and I said where, and she told me. And when I went, this woman, Kristen Evans, was there, and she negotiated. She bought more time for the homeless person. She was able to get the cops to relax and and handle. And I got to see her in the trenches, if you know what I mean, versus yeah. you know just um, talking the talk, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's my favorite. And then there's a second favorite. He ran for Board of Education. His name is John Sanders. He's um, a black man. He's very um, interesting. He's he's one of the, probably one of the most progressive black men in San Francisco. I like to call myself the number one progressive black woman in San Francisco. But he's he's very progressive and he's very sincere and he cares and he's he's someone I'd like to see because this is like a beginning step for people. So he's someone I really would like to see able to get involved in the system and learn the um resolution uh, uh, process and attend conventions if we ever have them again. I don't know if we'll have conventions anytime soon, but he's one of my favorite. And there's Vanessa Pimentel. Vanessa um, is running under the identify other than female. And again, she's someone who I see in the community that works really, really hard for other candidates. She worked hard for Jackie Fielder for State Senate. And she comes to the Bayview and the Mission. She comes to all the neighborhoods. She talks to people, and she's really community-oriented. And she's very young. I want to say early 20s. And her 
tenacity and her um, work ethic is amazing. I mean, I'm sorry, not her. Their their work ethic is amazing, and um, I would love to see her persevere. And then on the Assembly District 19, which is the west side of San Francisco, where um, we won't get into that story, but I grew up 18 years. We got evicted from that side of the city. Um, but however, my mom still lives on that side. My grandson still lives on that side. Um, I have, who is my favorite in 19? Um, oh, my favorite in Assembly District 19 is DeAnthony Jones. Oh, yeah, DeAnthony. DeAnthony. I know DeAnthony. Yes. Wonderful. Then you know probably where I'm coming from. Um, he's one of those people that gets stigmatized, which happens in politics because he works at the mayor's office. But he is not this conservative, moderate stereotype that people like to associate with people if they associate with our mayor. Mm -hmm. And he's very progressive. He understands both sides. He's real personable. Um, I grew up with his father, who is in the community to help stop street violence and stuff. And they're really homegrown, um, down-to-earth people. He, he lives in low-income housing. He's a queer man. And he knows the system. And he's so sweet and cares so much. I mean, you said you know him. He's all over the place. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah he is all people. over the place. Yeah, I, I mm -hmm. see him everywhere. And he is. He's He's got such, uh, he has such a, I mean, sweet is a, is a great word for him. He just has such a warm, welcoming energy. And, you know, he's, he's open and he's bright and uh, very smart. And uh, I would love to see D'Anthony uh, the Anthony Jones do you know ex expand and 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 be in those decision making circles? He's great, um, yeah. Because as you said, he works in the the mayor's office and neighborhood services for di in, on behalf of District Five, I believe. Right. Um, so right. yeah, he's That's very right. tied into. I mean, he's he's doing the work. He's he's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well. You know, Gloria, I'm glad that we were uh, connected for this phone call, um, and I look forward to connecting with you further. Uh, you know, there's so much to be done, both at the local and the state level, and I just wanted to maybe take like two more minutes, because I know this has been, uh, you know, we've been kind of talking on the show about the things that we've seen being played out in the country this week, and we don't need to get into whole, you know, the too too deep of it. But um, it, it, in your mind it, or in your heart or soul or spirit or whatever it, it may be that, that, that is the driver for you, what do you see as a, our, you know, the local role of, of San Francisco Democrats and, and, and the diversity of voices that, that, that are coming up and, and participating in that? Oh, what would you hope that, that locally we can um, influence on a national level. Got you. And, and, and I did want to point out, um, there is a person who I feel in Assembly District um, 19, Jasper Wild, who I don't think is ready for this role. I've had personal um, 
experienced with her that were very um, unsupportive, very um, insulting, and um, I don't want to dwell on that, but that that's something I do need to say because um, we shouldn't be giving platforms to just anyone that comes from San Francisco to comes to San Francisco and decides to jump in without knowing how they deal with the community, like the Anthony. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I did want to mention that. But where I see we need to go is um, something I say that um, was a good experience for me when I was in the Navy. And I think where we need to go is with each other. And what I mean by that is um, when I was in the Navy, I served 13 years in the military. When I was in the Navy, we used to go on board a ship and had about 80 women all living together in close quarters. And racially, there was conflict in the beginning, Um Mostly a lot of the uh, white women did not understand um, other women. And it was tension. But when we went overseas, when we went overseas to another country and we spent months and months on the ocean together, we got to learn each other, understand each other. And before you knew it, on the way back, people were going off on liberty like ports together that normally would not have hung out together in the beginning because a lot of times we just don't we just don't know that that person who looks different from us is not scary as we thought and that we have more in common so what i would like to see san francisco do is bring unity to everybody to, to somehow connect the districts. You know, we talked about District 17 and 19, but it's like, oh, God, the west side, you know, that's the typically stereotype bougie style, uh, side, and then the east side is like the real people or whatever. And I think we need to get away from that and be one San Francisco. Um, you know, I, like I said, my mother lives in the Richmond. My grandson lives in the sunset. Mm-hmm. And when we rub elbows and, and have more unity, things can get better. And I think San Francisco has the ability to show that to the country. Absolutely. Um, the, I certainly appreciate that. And um, often uh, I've been doing shows here at Mutiny Radio for about a decade I haven't done it for the past few months um, for various reasons, but uh, that is definitely the message that that I like to promote, and that you know my friends and colleagues here, um, who I you know produce shows with, is is unity and and to embrace each other, uh, each other's differences to see our commonalities, and you know I, I I've you know had friends and and people over the years who have come from other places and. The Bay Area or California and San Francisco specifically, it, it, it's a really strange experience for some folks because they don't necessarily understand how we can like just meet somebody in the room and like one minute later I'm like, oh, I love you, we're friends, you know. Exactly. And and we we do have that kind of special spark here, um, and and I know it doesn't always translate 
uh, maybe across neighborhoods or across, uh, <laughs> you know, in various places or, or, or with different folks. But when we do come together and, and we have uh, we have more common than, than we have different. And I, and I see that around the world, too. Right. People want peace in their neighborhoods. They want mm -hmm. safety and good things for their families. And, it, and if we can protect that and enhance that for folks uh, all around, everyone's going to be happier, healthier, and better to get along. So um, I really appreciate the sentiment of, of bringing the, the unique uh, spirit of San Francisco and the Bay Area to, uh, to a national level and, and hopefully to a global level. So um, Gloria Berry, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to, to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Nice speaking with you also, and thank you for um, inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. We, I'm so happy to, we're, we're, you know, we're privileged to have this space, uh, we're, this artist space that we've been hanging on to for so long here in the mission, specifically so that we can have, you know, community voices um, get out there. So, so uh, thank you humbly for being part of the show tonight. Sure, anytime. You have a wonderful night and a happy new year. Same to you. Same to you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, the show is moving along quite nicely. I, I'm so pleased that we're able to come together and be here uh, on Mutiny Radio. If you're listening to mutinyradio.fm or on the Mutiny Radio app, uh, this podcast will be under the archive of Open Pages. Um, is the name of this particular time slot. Um, it is, and uh, I believe the host of this, the normal host of this particular time slot, may be calling in now. Let me play a little music and check the phones. Many people are saying resign or impeach. Lady Justice sits high and firmly in her seat. At the end of the day, still I beseech. Get up, stand up, stand up on your feet. Electoral victory, popular defeat. Campaign promises obsolete. Better stand up for justice and world peace. for justice, ready for peace. How many children are there left to teach, to lend to their God-given mystique? Those with eyes to see is who I'm trying to reach. Those with ears to hear, let me repeat. We all bleed red, but we're all unique. White, black, brown, red, yellow, purple, or peach. We're all steady for justice, ready for peace.
All right, welcome back. We are cooking. I feel like we just like gained some steam here, but we only have about 10 more minutes of the show. Um, and on the line, I have the generous host of this time slot of Open Pages, poet, uh, teacher, librarian, and good friend of mine, E.K. Keith. Hi, E.K. Hey, Val. Great show tonight. Thank you. It feels good to be here. It's been too long. Yeah. yeah. It's it's been really fun. Can you repeat again the last guest? What's her name? Uh her name is Gloria Berry. Gloria Berry, man, she is awesome. Yeah. I want to vote for her for whatever it is there is to vote for. Right. Well she's currently on the D triple C. Um, but uh so I don't think she's running for anything right now, but her endorsements were for the California Democratic delegates. Um, so go into the California Democrat website and finding what assembly district you're in. So either 17 or 19. Super interesting information. Yeah, I know. I mean, we think things really just happen at this big national level, but really there's a lot of um, it's a localities that are, that are pushing things. And, and if the San Francisco Bay Area can do it, um, let's get some good people in there. Yeah, dude. Well, I have a poem for you. How excellent. <laughs> um, I hope it, you know, resonates with some of the themes of the evening. Um, I actually wrote this, I think, in October, but time has been so, you know, wibbly-wobbly that who knows? <laughs> it was definitely at the end of 2020, though. Um, Anti-racism is a state of mental health. We can't see ourselves any more than we can see each other. It's like sometimes on a rough day, an ugly person looks back at me from the mirror on the bathroom wall, and I think, damn, where did that pretty woman go? Is she hiding back there somewhere in mirror land? I have my suspicions about the ability of science to describe how a mirror really works. What if it's not the mirror, but the eye? And how we see collectively is racism, a societal dysmorphia that results in self-hatred and self-harm. What would it be like to be the light particle, wave, something not quite yet described, to be the light in the mirror, reflected, deflected, redirected. Does a light particle see its own intensity and flinch? And if I can barely see myself, what does that mean when we look at each other? We change how we change who we see. Use the mirror. Get the hate out of the eyes. Wow. Ooh, EK. Your your poetry is always so it, it like it's like very centering and settling. It's like un it's tangible. <laughs> The feelings, the feelings that come from that, and I and I and I appreciate that poem, especially this week, 
as we looked into the eyes of, of many people in our country who obviously had uh, a maybe they had a little trouble with the mirror maybe they had a little trouble with the mirror but maybe now they'll <laughs> see themselves on TV and that'll be different who knows maybe. you know who knows but I think America needs to look itself in the mirror, no matter what part of the uh, political spectrum you're on, and uh, yeah. see see how much deeper we can see. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, and we might see each other. Man, I hope so. <laughs> well, E.K., I'm so glad you called in with a poem, um, and uh, we're going to have to do this again. Now I'm, now I'm hooked again. I might have to use this time slot. <laughs> more often than not <laughs> well thanks for having me on global val thanks for letting uh, us use this time and space ek keith well, absolutely and happy new year happy new year all right all right I, my friend i'll talk to you soon peace sister i'll talk to you very soon thank you all right <laughs> so in this i've got uh we're social distancing here out here in in the studio space of Mutiny Radio. Uh, got, you hear the xylophone. That's our friend Kashi. And uh, several feet away. We got Kashi Feathers here on the xylophone. Global yep. Val. And there's James Ellis. Good to see you. Take it away, guys. We're forever looking at the content of a Attention, perception, what do you want to call it? These are focus. These are, these are just words. And the word is not the thing it describes. We're forever looking at the content. A bunch of thought. And we look not at that which is present for the content. Mm. You know, it's been said. In the absence of all that is not love, love is. Mm. Shall we look at what is? What shall we call it? Presence. Tasteless, colorless, it is the silence. So it is subtle. Presence. It cannot be fractured, cut up. So it has integrity. Mm. Presence. You can't sell five pounds of it. It has no market. So it cannot be bought. Mm. Everyone has one. So no one goes without. So it is abundance. It's all we know as knowing. So it's omniscient. It never goes away. So it's omnipresent. Mm. Question. Can something all knowing and all present also be om mm. omnipotent? I'm asking. <laughs> 